Welcome to Orbital Times Podcast, and hello to everyone, whatever part of the globe you're from or happen to reside in. My name is Kelly Joe, and here we'll provide armchair conversations gathered from interviews and research reviews to explore the seen, the unseen, and the in-between of the supernatural paranormal phenomena, with topics that circle around spirit orbs, NDEs, OBEs, UFOs, time slips, mystical moments, higher consciousness, and more. I hope that this cast will be our meeting place and judge-free zone where we can explore, learn, and grow through the telling of. This cast will be launched on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly schedule whenever I'm able to make contact with those in the know for their telling of. Speaking of those in the know and the telling of, have you had mystical moments or other supernatural paranormal experiences? Care to share on this cast? Then consider stepping into the light with your telling of or send in your monologue for me to read on this podcast. Simply email orbicaltimespodcast at gmail.com for a chance to contribute to this cast. And the other light said to me, I, I escorted your mother to this world, to the earth. And, and then it said, this is an interruption in your life. And that's the exact words it said. This is an interruption in your life. It said very calmly, very nicely, easily. It said, I'm going to tell you everything you want to know, but you won't be allowed to remember. In this episode of Orbital Times, Part 1, Philadelphia-born musician, singer, and saxophonist Dennis Bullock joins me from his home in Switzerland for his telling of his very mystical, magical, motherly moment during what he calls his Roaring Twenties, followed by his NDE. These will circle around light visions and futuristic messages involving timelines, which he received while unlacing his shoes. And speaking of lacing, he talks brownies. Or was it let them eat cake? Oh well. Dennis had what he describes as downloads and abilities after his NDE, which we explore in a part two of Orbital Times podcast. And so, without further ado, let's get on with this interview. So, my dear Dennis Bullock, welcome to this cast, and I'm so very pleased that you agreed to this chat. Hey, well, thank you, Kelly Joe, for having me on your show, and uh, it's a pleasure and uh, to be able to share um, my NDE experiences Yes. Uh, with you and your audience. If you'd first like to start with your telling of your encounter regarding your mother and then follow that by your NDE. And so, as they say, the floor is all yours. Take it away. It was in actually in Montreal, Canada, that this happened. Um, but my, my mother, uh, me and my mother were very, very close. You know, we were, she was the one that inspired me in life for uh, music and for just being happy and um, she had she didn't have a job and she saved her money when I was in my 20s to buy me my first saxophone she was like my world and then she got sick and uh, then she died hmm. and when she died my whole world uh, crashed it's like somebody turned out the lights in the room you know it was it was quite dark and I was, so I started to drink uh, every night for about a week and a half. I would go to the, to the bar 
have my drinks, come home, sit on my side of my bed, cry myself to sleep. And that was a routine. And until one night. And one night I came back ready to do my routine, sit on the side of my bed, cry myself to sleep. And I, when I came into my room, normally I would come in and uh, I would turn, I turn off the lights, I sit down and then cry myself to sleep. Well, this one night I turned off the lights and I went to sit down and untie my, my sneakers. And um, I noticed on the floor that there still was light. And I said, that's impossible. I know I turned off the light. That's impossible. So when I, when I looked up, this is the crazy part. When I looked up, it was like the sun you see in the sky was in my room. And coming from this sun was like, I don't know how to describe this part, like an ocean of love. When you go to the beach and you have a wave that's too tall and it covers your whole body, well, imagine the water is love and it covered like every cell, every part of my body. And out of this sun, which I would call, today I would call it God, came two smaller lights. And these two smaller lights, one was a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger than the other. And they kind of floated out of the sun that was in my room towards me. And the smaller light, I could recognize that it was my mother. And the first thing I said to her was, it's like that over there, because this sun made me feel like I was in Hawaii, perfect weather, lounging in a chair, secure, uh, like a baby would feel in its mother's arms, and but a thousand times that feeling. And she and uh, they floated out to me, and I said that to her. And then she started to speak to me, but the way she spoke to me, like we're talking now, but it was like the conversation was sh shot into my my brain. I could hear everything and everything just like I hear you, but it, it was, I guess it was a form of telepathy. And I, then I, I started to talk to her kind of through my mind too, in a way, but I didn't realize that I, I started to do it once she started to do it. I was just trying to answer. She said to me that I'm going to tell you one week in advance in, into the future so that you're going to know that this is real. And I said, okay. Uh, and I was just listening. And she said, you're going to have a job in a week from now. And this job, there's going to be a doorman, uh, what we call what we call a bouncer. And th she said that this guy is going to be uh, huge, a big guy. And she said, she's gonna, he's going to be a homosexual and a psychopath. And she said, he's going to try to make a, a pass at you. Whatever you do, don't get into an argument or fight with him because she knew me and she knew that I would be ready to, to fight him quite fast, even if he was super bigger than me or not. If he, if he came at me um, trying to make a pass at me, knowing that I'm not gay. And here's another thing for your listeners. Uh -huh. I have nothing against gay people and I have nothing against lesbian people or bisexual people. I, I have nothing against that. The only thing I have against is that if somebody knows that you are not that way and they continue to to try to, to make passes at you, then that's not just not cool. So, yeah, so she said, um, whatever you do, don't get into a fight with him. Because I was in my roaring 20s. I was vigorous. I was uh, ready for... 
you know, I, I was ready to defend my manhood and, and um, I wasn't looking for trouble when I was 20 years old, but I was, I was, I'm not looking for trouble, but I can handle it if it comes my way. So that's how it was. So she said, if you, if you get into a fight with him, she said, there's two possibilities or two timelines that could happen. She said, either he kills you or you kill him and you go to jail for the rest of your life. And she said, these two possibilities will happen. One of them will happen if you get into an argument or fight with him because he's a psychopath. So I said, okay, okay, mama, I, I won't, I won't get into a fight with this person. Like you said, uh, one more thing, your, your girlfriend at the time that you have now, she has three kids, but you don't know about it. And she wants to have a fourth kid with you. She wants to trick you somehow to have a fourth kid. I'm just telling you these things so that you know that this, what's happening now is real. It's not a dream. It's not an imagination. It's real. But then I asked her, well, mom, who's this other light that's just standing here with you? When I, once I said that to her, the, the other light spoke to me. And the other light said to me, I'm an escort. I, I escorted your mother to this world, to the earth. And I said, really? And, and then it said, this is an interruption in your life. And that's the exact words it said. This is an interruption in your life. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, I got I got some questions, you know. I got God in my room right here, you know. I, I got some questions, you know. Who's going to be my wife? How many kids are going to have? Why, why, why am I here, you know? And this, I, what I would call today, I would call it probably an, an angel. It said very calmly, very nicely, easily. It said, I'm going to tell you everything you want to know but you won't be allowed to remember. You're only going to be allowed to remember what your mother tells you. And it told me all the answers to my questions, but I wouldn't be allowed to remember. So, so then my mother said, after the angel said that, then my mother said to me, um, I'm going to always be with you. I love you. I'm always going to be with you, but you won't know that I'm around you as much as tonight. And then, they floated slowly back to the, what I would call the sun, like an ice cube in a glass. It just, they just melted away. And one day melted away, tears burst out my eyes. And I said, nobody is ever going to believe this happened. Nobody's going to believe me if I tell them what happened. But I have the proof. <laughs> the next week, just like my mother said, my band called me and said, hey, we got a job. I said to them, okay, um, that's great. So I was thinking to myself, um, hey, what my mom said is, is, is beginning to come true. So we went to do the sound check that day. And um, so we did the sound when we went to the, I went to the club and then I saw this huge guy at the door and I walked in the club with the band and we did our sound check. And then I came out and then I went to do the, the show. After the first set, 
I came and I was standing talking to the musicians and he kind of walked behind me and kind of grabbed my butt. And I, I turned around and I said, what, what's, hey, what's, what's this guy doing? And, and I asked my band members, did you see that guy? Did you see what he just tried to do? And I was getting very angry. And I went, I, he went into, a, after he did it, he went into a corner and just folded his arms and watched me. Now, this is a, like I said, this is a huge guy. This is like, I'm a, I'm pretty, I'm like 6'2", and a, not a, not a small guy either, but this guy makes about two or three of me. So I was going over to him to tell him, so I, I told my band members, I'm going to tell this guy something. And, and I was angry, but then I said, remember mom? Oh yeah, remember mom? Don't get into an argument. So I went over to him and I said, hey man, I'm not that way. I don't, I don't, I'm not gay. So please don't touch me anymore. And he said, oh, you had too many beers. You just imagined that. I said, no, I didn't imagine it. I said, don't touch me anymore, please. And then I walked away because I saw that the conversation was beginning to go to the place where my mom was talking about. So I didn't want it to go too negative. So I said, just don't touch me no more. Thank you. I'm not that way. And I walked away from him calmly. No, not, not aggressively. Like, like I wanted to. And we did the second set and then I left the club and nothing happened to me. But the next day I got a phone call from uh, the band members and they said, did you hear what happened? And I said, no. You know, remember that bouncer you were talking about that, that tried to touch your, your butt or touched your butt, whatever, the guy you were talking about? He got into an argument at the end of the night with the club owner and crushed both of his ribs. He went to jail for manslaughter. And I said, what? <laughs> and I said, oh my God, if, if, if this happened, that means everything my mother says is, is coming true. And that also means that my girlfriend, who I've been dating for about a year and a half, has three kids and she never, she hid them from me. So I called my girlfriend at that time and I said, hey, how you doing? She said, hello, hello, I'm fine. And I said, tell me something. Do you have three kids? And she said, the phone went silent. Then she said, who told you? And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I said, wait a minute. No way. I said, I'm going to ask you again. Do you have three kids? And she said, yes, but who told you? And then I said, well, you're not going to believe who told me, but I'm going to tell you anyway. My dead mother told me. And I told her, I said, well, if you're going to hide your kids from me, I don't know what else you're going to hide from me. So we're finished. I broke up with her and that was the first experience. I was cured, by the way, after I saw my mother because I didn't want to drink alcohol anymore and I didn't want to, um, uh, I wasn't feeling sad anymore because I knew that she was strong, she was happy, and she was powerful. You mentioned that when you saw the big light and then you saw two little light and you you said that you recognized that one of them was your mother. How did you recognize it? Was it a feeling? It was a feeling. It's like, how can I, can I explain? It's like, I mean, if I put your mom in, in a room full of about 30 ladies and, and, this, and they, they all have the same color hair, but 
you're going to know your mom. You're going to feel that energy. You're just going to feel her. You're mm -hmm. going to feel her in that room. You're going to know right away that's her. Mm -hmm. And and uh, that's how I, I knew because she was, when I saw her out, uh, coming from the sun, she was just a light, just light, all light, like a ball of light. There's no really like, oh, there's her hair and there's, a, it was it was all light. It was just uh, silhouettes of light is the best way to describe them. You, you mentioned that there was the two of them. One was your mother, one was an escort or an angel or maybe a guide. Mm. Did they look different from each other? Yes. In what way? Uh, the, the angel was much taller. He was much shorter and the angel was <laughs> quite tall, I would say. Maybe seven feet or something like that. It was very, very tall, much taller than my mother. My mother's was maybe five foot eight or something like that. And this other angel was towering over her. Was the angel a male presence? Uh, it didn't. It was neutral. I, I couldn't okay. really tell. Um, but the voice, that's a very good question, actually. I didn't feel hear any female energy in that voice. It was gotcha. more of a male, male energy, I would say. Okay. Yeah. And your mother also mentioned that um, when she would be leaving, that you, she would still be around you, that you would be able to feel her. Have you since that um, encounter? Yes, but she was saying that um, I wouldn't feel her as strongly as I did that night. Right. And uh, yes, yes, I, I, I feel her all the time. Um, but not as strongly as that night. That night, um, you know, it was like I could feel her just standing right there. She was, uh, she was right there. So, uh, of course, it wasn't as strong as that night. But there's occasions when I feel that she's watching over me or she comes and visits me because, because of my second experience, I became more more sensitive to the uh, spiritual world, I guess you could call it. Okay, and, and why don't you begin with your second experience that you had? The first experience, I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want people, I didn't tell my band because I didn't want them poking at me saying, oh, he lost his mother and now he, he lost his mind. You know, he's a great artist, but a great singer, but he lost his mind because he lost his mother. So I didn't tell them anything. I didn't tell them I knew all... <laughs> I knew that that guy was a psychopath. I didn't tell him nothing. Once the first experience happened, I tried to go on with life and I tried to kind of put that experience away. And I was just satisfied that I knew that my mom is fine. That was the biggest thing for me. So yeah. I put that experience away and I tried to go normal, what I would call normal. I'm a singer and I, and I was, uh, you know, a young singer and I didn't know, uh, I wanted to go higher in my career. So I met this guy who was a, used to be a lead singer from the Platters, and he was doing great. I mean, he had records in, in Canada, and he was from America, and he had records in Canada and all over. Yeah, yeah. And he was living in Canada, and, um, well, I tried to follow him. And one night, I was, I, I was working with him, and he introduced me to drugs. And, uh, and I started doing drugs with him, and I thought, you know, that was the way because... Look at him. He's successful. He's a super great singer. He has, you know, records on the radio. He's doing new albums every all the time. And, you know, his life is 
it seems it seems to the, on the outside eyes his life is perfect. So I started following him until maybe a maybe two two years or three years went by, and he during the show he, he I mean he dropped dead. He, he he died. For me that was like a wake up call. So when he died, I I stopped cold turkey, no drug. What I did, I replaced the drugs with uh, marijuana. So the only thing I would do was, was smoke a joint once in a while. And um, my girlfriend at the time, I was still was, I was living in Montreal still, and I had an apartment and we, we had this particular day, we had ran out of marijuana. So there was no more marijuana that day. I was gonna call one of my musician friends because, so <laughs> it's not a bad thing, but most musicians either have marijuana or they know where to get it. I called one of my friends and he said, uh, no problem, um, I'll bake it in a cake for you and, and I'll bring it over. I said, cool. I said, I never had it in a cake before. But I didn't realize that, I mean, this friend put so much marijuana in the cake. I mean, he, I don't know how much he put in it, but it was tons. He, he, brought the, he brought the cake over, he dropped it off and he left it with me and my girlfriend. Said, oh. A chocolate cake. Ooh, it looks good. Let's. I, I can't wait to try this. I never had it. I never ate marijuana. You know, I was always a smoker. I never ate it. So, so I cut a piece for her, and I cut a piece for me, and we we ate it. And twenty minutes spot went by, and nothing happened. And I said, Ah, it must be a bad batch. I said, I'm going to cut half of the cake now. You take one half, and I take the other. I ate my half, and she ate her half and waited 20 minutes, still nothing. Then another 10 minutes went by, and then stuff started to happen. <sighs> and when it started to happen, it wasn't that we were getting high. It was like our bodies were shutting down. I started to forget to breathe. I would be talking and I would, oh, I forgot to breathe. And I, had, I started to have trouble to move. I couldn't even like turn to the right or the left. I started to have trouble. And she said to me, hey, you better call uh, emergency service like 911 or something to come and come and get get us be, mm -hmm. while you while we while you still can, while we still can. I said, yeah, I think you're right, because I, 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 I'm forgetting to breathe. I'm having trouble to move at all. And so I, I push myself as hard as I can to to call the ambulance. And they said, what's hello? What's the problem? And I was a little bit embarrassed because I had to tell them, well, <laughs> I think we ate too much marijuana and I think we're dying now and we need your help. Can you come save us? <laughs> you know, to this day, I don't know what, I, I don't know if there was any added stuff, but I yeah. know there was a heck of a lot, very, 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 very strong marijuana in it. Mm -hmm. And it was going to our bloodstream and we took an awful lot. I mean, we ate the whole cake, just two people. And, um, it began to shut our body, our, our organs down. Mm -hmm. Now I had, I had smoked a lot of marijuana and I never had that happen. But what I understood later was that it was going direct. It goes directly into your bloodstream when you eat it. And, and you even have a more potent effect than if you smoke it. So I, I was on the phone and I was talking to emergency services and I said, yeah, you know, uh, can you please come and blah 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 so they came and so we we were in the ambulance and they take us uh to the hospital and 
as I'm in my stretcher and they're passing me past the reception at the hospital, I see my dead mother again. Oh boy. And this time she had this outfit on. Now, now she used to have a club of women that would go play bingo and they would go on trips together, about 12 women. And they wore these, like, they wore like these special shirts. And it, 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 and I recognized that she had that special shirt on that, that she always goes out, you know, with these women with. And she was looking in reception through papers. And I and I said, that's weird. There's mom. <laughs> and I didn't realize it at the time that I was so close to death. That's why I was able to see her. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then they put me in a room and they put my girlfriend in another room. And they gave me this, uh, a cup of this black, I thought it was tar, but later on I found it was uh, charcoal. Charcoal, yeah. Yeah, to drink. And it tastes horrible, by the way. Um, so I meet, and they left me in, in the room alone for about, I guess it's been about two, three hours. So I was relieved because, like I said, I, my heart was, I was trying to, to keep my heart beating and I was, you know, fighting for life because I thought that, you know, this is it. You ain't going to make it. I'm in the bed and they, and they gave me this drink and I quickly drink it down. And they leave the room and I, I take a deep breath and I say, I think I'm going to be all right. I, I, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. So as I'm laying in my hospital bed in, in the hospital room by myself and I, I start to relax, all of a sudden I start to hear my heart beat in my ear. Mm-hmm. And it goes, it starts boop, boom, boop, boom, boop, boom. And it stops. And the minute it stops, I just pop out of my body. I just pop out. Like if you were to to jump out of your bed, if the alarm clock wakes up and you jump out of your bed because you're late for work, I just pop out like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I, the first thing I said was, I'm out? Kind of shocking because I didn't, because it was so easy. And I was out and I could see my body was in the bed, but I was standing by it. <laughs> yeah. So then I start to look at my hand because I was like, I couldn't believe I'm out. I'm out. And I'm, I'm looking at my hand and my hand looks like it has this grayish, light bluish tint around it. And the only way I could describe it is like when you, if you watch TV too late and you have a... Um, we call it emergency broadcasting system comes over. Sure. And, yeah. And and it just goes static. Static. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my hand kind of look sim if you look in the static, you'll see that there's colors in that static. Well, that's how my hand looks similar to that. Well not not like the static, but just like that that kind of color, that light glowing right. kind of color. You were standing though. You weren't floating at this point. No, no, no. I popped out I I stood. Yeah, and okay. I was just looking at my hand, and I was like, "Wow, I'm out." It was so easy, and it was not like it, the shock was that I was out, but it was not shocking that, okay, you're out. It was not like, "Oh, whoa, I'm out." I, I was not 
the shock was that it was so easy to 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 be out of your body and that you died and and because everybody all my life oh you die you you suffer and you uh, and me it was like a yawn or, or drinking a glass of water were so, monitors going off in the hospital alerting mm, the staff no 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 mm -mm -mm. because they they because they they thought i was was going to be all right after i drank the the charcoal the charcoal yeah so they were attending more to my my girlfriend in the other room okay yeah so i'm looking at my hand and then i hear this drop of water there's a sink in my hospital room and this drop of water and for some odd reason my curiosity and my personality was the same but my curiosity was quite high like at a thousand so to a soul's eye a drop of water was the most fascinating thing you could ever see and i said wow a drop of water and the minute I, I said, I would like to see that up close. And the minute I thought that, my vision went right in front of it. <laughs> and then went right back. Because I was a little bit of a distance from the, uh, the sink right. where the water was dropping. And that was like, wow. <laughs> okay, wow. And then here's the other thing that happened. Okay, I'll give you an example okay. to, to explain the next scene. If you don't ride a bike in 20 years, and I give you a bike in 20 years, you're still going to be able to ride it. Well, this was the feeling that I got because I said to myself, I would like to stop that, that drop of water in midair. And then I put my hand and I said, oh, let me think, um, do I remember how, I, how, how to do it? And I did it. I just put my hand, I just wiped my hand in the air and the water froze in midair because it was dropping before, drip, 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 and I froze it in midair. And for some odd reason, didn't really shock me that much. It was just like, oh, cool, I got it. And then I said, I'd like to see that water from every angle possible. Then I just opened my hand and like five of me appeared at the sink. One was on the right, one was on the left, one was underneath the water which was frozen in midair, I had stopped time. Mm -hmm. And one was watching them, and I was watching all five. And they all were me. My face, my body, everything. And I could see through each of their vision, the water. I could go to the right and I could see what the, the right one was seeing, what the one was seeing in front, one was seeing on the, that was, had his, kind of had his head on the bottom of it and one on the left and blah, blah, blah. When I would close my hand, all five would go back to me like with a swishing sound like whoosh. <laughs> huh. and, and then I would open my hand and then they would be back at the sink again. And it, it's at this point, it started to be like Bugs Bunny. So I, I start opening my hand <laughs> and closing it because I couldn't believe what I was seeing at that, at that point. And I was doing very fast and they would go very fast. And then I said, I wonder if I open my hand with a little shake, will they shake? And I opened my hand and I shook my hand a little bit and they appeared and they had a little shake. And then I burst out laughing. And when I burst out laughing, it was like my laugh was in the Grand Canyon. It just went, ha, 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 
I felt somebody was watching me and I heard a voice and this voice said very caring kind of like like a, a mother would say to a child at a playground don't run around the corner so fast or you could fall it said the voice said to me if you stay out here too long you might have to stay and it wasn't the order it wasn't it was sudden very caring very neutral and I said to myself, oh yeah, right, that's true. That's how I knew it wasn't my thought. It was, I would say now probably God's. I said, yeah, that's right. My heart can't stay stopped forever. And I, then I pointed myself, I didn't even go to the voice to, to, to check more about that information. Uh, oh yeah, here's the other thing I forgot to mention is that kind of described this like this. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Alka-Seltzer. Yes. If you put Alka-Seltzer in water, it dissolves, right? But the longer I stayed out of my body, it did the opposite. The more information I got, like it was swelling, swelling. Uh, one minute I, I knew I could stop time. Next minute I knew I could divide myself. Next minute I knew that I could, we could live uh, many lives spontaneously. Uh, and the information was enormous. It just kept on expanding until I pointed myself in the direction of my body. And here's another thing. I didn't want to uh, look at my body, my face, because I was afraid that I was going to have some kind of weird expression on it, you know, like, so I was scared. So I didn't want to look at my the face of my body. I only looked at the legs. That's how I knew that I was out. I pointed myself in the direction of my body and I just said, now I'm going to go into my body. And I jumped in my body and immediate, the minute I jumped in, my heart went, did a double beat, boom, and it started to beat. I came back with a lot of information and also with some type of gift. Before we end this interview, do you have any other or maybe one last example or examples for the audience in regards to your experiences and some words of wisdom that you'd like to leave? Well, the only thing I would say was um, the world is going to get, it's going to seem more crazy, but it's only asking you which direction you want to go. Do you want to go on lower vibrations or higher vibrations? And remember the key to this game, because the earth is a game for you to just experience. That's the reason for life for any soul is to come to experience. And the key to this game is love. If you want to change the situation, if you want to change somebody, there's two things. There's love and raising your vibration, which is more love. <laughs> These are the things that will change the outside. You don't try to change someone or person or thing. You, you change what's inside of you, which is your vibration. And the other things around you, outside of you, will change. But change you. And so love is the key. No matter what, every, what's going on, love is the key. So, Dennis, before we wrap this interview up, um, would you like to give either your email, some kind of contact information for people yes. that might want to get a hold of you? Yes, yeah, sure. They can write me at easybullock at hotmail.com. Um, they can contact me and write me. And I, like I said, I do sessions for people. I read people's energy. Um, I used to just touch their left hand, 
and I could I could know all the things I need to know if they, they have questions. But now I can do it directly, just concentrating on them through uh, Zoom or Skype. Well, the, basically, they would have to write me, and then I, I send them the information. Perfect. Okay. All right. Well, once again, Dennis, I thank you, and thank you for, for making time in your busy schedule and working around the time zone differences, and, of course, for your contribution to this cast through your telling of. I appreciate you, and I thank you again, Dennis. Well, thank you, uh, Kelly Joe, for having me on your show. I love your Orb show, but I thank you again for having me. And like I said, if we ever need to do a part two about anything, I, I'm very uh, honored to, to do it with you. All right. Okay, so you take care, and, uh, and we'll keep in touch, even with the, the time zone differences. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. Okay, okay, Kelly Joe, thank okay. you very much. Thank Have a you great again. Day. Yeah, you as well. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I would like to keep this cast a commercial-free zone. In light of that, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channels. All my Orb videos are available by using the handle at Spirit Orb Sightings, or visit my new channel with the handle at Orbital Times Podcast. If you've already subscribed, many thanks. For blogs, episodes, show notes, bios, images, and video, please visit www.orbicaltimes.com. If you enjoyed an episode, then please give a like or a share on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcatcher you happen to use. If you've already done so, much appreciated. Thank you for taking your time to visit these Orbical Times. Orbical Times podcast is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kelly Joe, at Studio Spare Room.